Introducing the Psychic Guys. Where real practitioners grab the woo-woo by its cute little devil horns and squeeze out a sense-making smoothie of scintillating sagacity. Coming to you from the frontiers of the mysterious, we don't just talk about it, we do it. Then we talk about it. Welcome to the Psychic Guys and our first show of 2024. Your hosts David and regular Josh are joined tonight by Coral Cart to talk about magical and psychic technology. Coral Cart is a remote viewer, art therapist, and ceremonial magician, and she has the biggest selection of gadgets and gizmos relating to magic, divination, healing, and who knows what else of anyone that I know. And that's what this week's show is about, the stuff that we can use in our practice. So welcome, Coral. Thank you. Thank you. It's really nice to be here on the first one of 24. <laughs> yep. So there's no pressure. We can set the bar as low as you like. <laughs> <laughs> So before we kick off, I just want to say to our listeners on Spotify and Apple and whoever else is listening on a podcast, we are going to be showing a whole load of gadgets and stuff. So do check out the YouTube channel if you want to see what any of this gear looks like. But we'll try and describe things for listeners if you're not feeling like buying any of this weird stuff. So, Carl, you've got like uh, Father Christmas that's stacked up underneath the Christmas tree, I imagine, with all the crazy stuff you've got to show us. So what's what's your first pick? So... In the advanced uh, stage uh, of stage six of, of controlled remote viewing, you get to DARS because it's a scalar thing. And um, I learned DARSing, and I never thought I was any good at it until once we had to DARS to win a bottle of very special wine uh, by DARSing the year. <laughs> And in front of a group of people, I was absolutely terrified, and I came in and I had it. So um, so the very first thing I ever learned to use was just a tiny little baby pendulum. It's like a little weight, very simple thing. I didn't – I have it on a chain because I like the articulation of the chain. It moves – it really, moves really easily. It's just a little copper weight. Uh, I have another one of those, but it hasn't come to hand. Um, after that, I thought I'd get really <laughs> precious, precious, and use a crystal. But you know, when you dance, you're supposed to ask it first. Will you do? Will you dance for me? And this one regularly tells me no. <laughs> so your crystal's a prima donna. Uh, and then I found out, but just really recently, that this crystal likes to do healing. So this is a crystal that you can use to send healing. Uh, but it doesn't work for like dowsing um, measurements or things. So it's been, the, I've had it for, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And it's just been sitting there. I never got rid of it. I've always kept it because it's so pretty. I love it. And I have very recently, within a few months, actually found a use for it. Um, the very best dowsing thing that I have is this. This is a dowsing rod. What on earth is that? Okay. Oh, it's a gorgeous uh, we have to thing. do an audio description of what this thing looks like for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a floppy wand with a spring in it, and it's got a weight on one end, and you can actually tension it at the bottom. Now, this is a dowsing rod. Yeah. It's, it's very funny looking, but I can promise you 
that this dowsing rod is like a, it's it's like a wild animal. It's it's completely alive, and it has an intelligence of its own. It's an so how do you marvel. use that? What what kind of things? You use it so um, as for any normal dowsing. Uh, what's yes and what's no? So oh look, you, you see it's already going. Let me just show you my hand. My hand is still. Yeah. So if you dowse, you should be dowsing like this on a you, so that your hand. So show me yes, oh, and it's right. going. It's going automatically. It's instant. This dowsing rod is astonishing. Okay, now show me no, and it's going counterclockwise. Oh. And um, if you ask it to show you a direction, I don't. I mean. I don't know if it's going to perform. Sh show me where the screen is. It should. Oh, it does look <laughs> crazy. It's going towards the screen. It's going towards the camera. So, um, I don't know. This this rod changed my whole belief in dowsing. So, just for uh, just for our listeners at home who maybe they haven't heard of the concept of dowsing, would you be able to explain it in a little bit more detail? The process itself. Um, yes, I learned about dowsing by reading something that's available on the internet called a letter to Robin. Yeah, a letter to Robin is absolutely the most fantastic explanation of how to. So, um, dowsing's like it's like using a tool. Um, okay, let's take it back a step. When you remote view, you're using your body as a modem. Yeah, your subconscious is going out and getting the information and it's passing it back through your body. So you're tasting, smelling, hearing and seeing. So your body is the modem for your non-physical you that's accessing information. And a dowsing uh, using a pendulum or a dowsing rod is an extension of that that's even more sensitive Uh your subconscious could easily get overwhelmed by noise when you're um uh, what direction do I have to go to and your your conscious mind is going to say go there it's easier yeah whereas if you have a dowsing rod it's easier for your your subconscious your higher self whatever it is that communicates with us when when we're viewing and um, that hasn't been proved scientifically but <laughs> And this is just astonishingly fine-tuned. So, I, I think I should add a note in case we've got any uh, any younger listeners that a modem is how us old people used to connect to the internet back when it came down the phone line. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so, um, <laughs> the first yeah. time I ever encountered dowsing was actually a couple of years ago. I was working at a construction job where the we were. Basically, we we're putting up pipes for water mains, but the way I saw it used is they would take these two L-shaped rods, and it, it wasn't like the, the formal ones, like the ones you could buy on Amazon. It was actually just two of the little flag markers you would see in your grass to go, here's a pipe. They would take those, bend them into an L, and they would use it to find pipes that you couldn't find with a metal detector, like ones that were all plastic, sewer lines, things like that. That, that was where my interest in the practice or a game of thing yeah yeah i've got those i've got those ones uh just two l-shaped right yeah but i've used I've, I've got some here there you go i bought these for myself as a christmas present and they're ah. uh, they've got ball bearings in and they're super oh, they're beautiful. wildly sensitive but they're, they're made of these like 
telescoping antennas so you can pull oh. them apart and they just fold up in little oh, pocket very thing, nice. just in case those you are, need to do dowsing. Those are beautiful. I like, want oh, them. <laughs> um, I, I'll put the link in the show notes Yeah. Um, for where to get these from. It's a US supplier, so it took a while to turn up, but it did. And uh, I like them. I'm not a very experienced dowser. I've used it for, I have a, a robot lawnmower in my garden, and you have to lay a wire all around the edge of the grass to stop it running away into the street, whatever. And somehow that got broken. And it's like, it's in the grass. You can't find where it is. And after looking by, you know, just seeing if there was an obvious way, place it had been damaged, I couldn't find it. And in the end, I just got some bits of wire and bent them and was going around my garden going, oh, I hope the neighbors aren't watching. But I did find it and get it sorted. So uh, since then, I thought, hey, maybe I should give this a try. Yeah, there's something in it. So, I mean, there's an association of dowsers in the UK. Uh, they have yearly... They had a hangout on on Facebook um, in summer, I think, and they were t- there were people presenting their dowsing and, but they they people they call themselves water dowsers, classical water dowsers, and they use the rods or pendulums, but I mean that's something it's part of being part of cunning magic for uh, forever. What what are they called? The group that had the hangout. The da- the UK Dowsing Association, something like that. Ooh, I'm sure people can find it if they look hard enough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite hard finding good quality information online about dowsing. I found there's it's quite limited. You can find a few news articles about people who hired hired a water witch and were amazed um, and wouldn't have done it, but their neighbour swore by this old guy who appears out of the woods and tells them where to drill their well and then disappears again. But actual, in terms of practical instructions... Uh, yeah, the letter to Robin is brilliant. I think there's a follow-up to the letter to Robin as well, isn't there? But um, I have to look into it. that. I've seen the first one. Actually, at that construction yeah. job, that's actually, that's what they referred to dowsing as. They called it witching the line. Mm, that's probably the old name for it. So, oh, so we've got, it's got some more toys to look at. Well, um, another one. I do have another one. Um, <laughs> It's another one of these bendy things. It's it, but it's. Can you see? It's much more rigid. Yes. Now, it's not. The, the other one was like wildly floppy and wild, and this one's. Oh, the cat's very excited by this. This one. This one is. Oh, oh, here he comes, and he's very big. I can tell you. Oh, oh, oh. oh okay. Oh, hello, cat. There's the cat. Oh, look. <laughs> After the dowsing. Can you turn around and tell us? It is a bit camera. like a cat toy, actually, isn't it? Those ones. <laughs> yeah. Little. Yeah. Oh, he, he said, um, it's from the same place. Oh, I'm sorry. Hang on. <laughs> Let's introduce oh. cat. Yeah. It just. Uh, hello. There we go. <laughs> oh. oh. He looks a bit fed up that you didn't let him have the dowsing thing. He's purring like crazy, but you can't hear because of the noise cancelling. <laughs> Can you go there? Okay, he's got plenty of toys. So, so um, I haven't quite found fun, but it, it's less responsive. So if I feel that I'm shaking or wobbling or influencing too much that first rod, I will um, <laughs> use this one. And then I have a third dowsing rod, which is actually called an Aura meter, and this one Brett suggested it to me. Oh, and this wow! This one they've been using. They were using for um, uh, ghost hunting. Mm. Yeah, I I haven't. I thought well because I like all the, the springs. I 
I don't know if you can see, it's got like a spring inside the rod. Yeah. And it's very, very weighted. It's got a... So would, do you think you would use that in the same way as the adductors or a pendulum or something? Or is it more specialized? Because it I, looks kind of kooky. Yeah, this one's a bit weird. I think it's better for space. Uh, so I'd use it if I was dowsing um, in inside a building or some... Especially if I was remote viewing inside a building. Because, like, I mean, remote viewing is the same thing in the non-material as it is in the material. So if you were looking for a ghost in a in a dark, in, in a hall or a, something, you could use this and walk around looking. It, this one will show you the direction. So you can do the same thing while you're remote viewing. So I'm in a virtual room hmm. looking for energy or oh, anything right. like that. Cool. So, I know Brett, Brett used this. He was the one who suggested it. How, what how what can was I he using it for? I'm sure he's remote viewing with it as well. Oh, all right. I, I saw it. He, he sent a photo of this thing a while ago, and I said, what the hell is that? Uh, yeah, what are you going to really do with weird, this thing? Um, um, unfortunately, he's doing his hair tonight, so he's not able to join us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so those are the, those are the dowsing rides. Wow. I think a good use for those, the first two that you showed us, the adductors, like you could use one in each hand and one would keep the cat distracted <laughs> while you use the other one to do the dowsing. I was, I was going to say, you can use it and you can find the target and summon your familiar in one go. It's a perfect multi-tool. <laughs> so for, for the dowsing, um, I have these little wheels. Oh, cool. Yeah. These are really nice. These are kind of witch wheels that have mm. answers. I've got a it bigger one. It looks a little one. bit like a Ouija board. Yes, it is. Mm. It is. It's a dowsing Ouija board. Yes, no, what day, the month, uh, those kind of things. So this is a, a small version of the big one that I yeah. use. This is a bit small. This is the portable one. So that's quite fun. Um so uh, after m many, many years of being uh, straight down the line, XML, uh, CRV, uh, viewer, orthodox, um, I started uh, doing uh, sort of going back to divination. And that's when I started using these kind of things. And this I use um, part of it divination circle and we meet and we read each other cards and things like that. So, so that, that's for those kind of use. We use, we just ask each other questions, blind questions, and reply with cards. So, and and if I'm asked a date or a day or timing, I'll use that. Do you find it's uh, accurate for doing dates and days and time and stuff? Um, yeah, the tarot cards are just as accurate. Tarot yeah. cards will give you months as well because they're they they're all related to zodiac signs. Mm. So if you you take it back to the zodiac sign, then you get the month of when something will happen. Josh, they do yes days uh, as well, don't they? In, yes, um, you can do the days with the pips. Each each card is associated with a specific. I, I believe the term is uh, decan, like a, a mm -hmm. degree. If you were looking at the astrological map, like star map, if you will, a different corner of the sky, which is associated with about. Not a specific day per se. It's about a five-day range where it would govern that particular decan. Uh, I yeah. get that information from uh, Lon Milo Duquette's 
understanding the Thoth tarot if anyone wants to fact check me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even with the Rider White, it's the same as well. So, absolutely. And um, and I have this for scrying. Ooh. Is it glass or obsidian? Obsidian. It's a little, it's very tiny. Ooh, oh, I can see my own reflection. Mirror, That's it? weird. I. Very strange. <laughs> um, before I got this, I used to use um, just a bowl of water. Black mm. bowl with water in it for scrying. Um, and, but all scrying is really, it's a way of ERV. Or you could say all ERV is, is a way of scrying. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so, just visionary magic under a different name or in a different system, isn't it? Yeah. Careful, that'll upset yeah. the X-Mills. Well, everything <laughs> upsets them. are very sensitive. The, the X-Mills for uh, the uninitiated in our audience, that's the former military remote viewers, the ones from the program that was run by the Army, the CIA. And of course, I mean, I'm I'm from Lynn Buchanan's branch and uh he's uh he's not he's not easily upset. He's a sweetie. <laughs> well we gotta remember those guys were working in a context where they had to be very coy about saying words like psychic or magic and you know, as as broad a practitioner as we can look at it and go, you're just doing magic and pretending it's science here. Um, but I think the the culture of CRV has carried that sensitivity um, about not wanting to look woo-woo or whatever forward. And it means, of course, that they miss out on great things like pendulums and tarot cards. And Well, Lynn uses a pendulum. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, it was just the thing about really wording, but... I mean, they had to make it look scientific because they needed money for projects. Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine going into a room full of generals and be like, we're I'm not rich. doing magic, we're doing science. We've yeah. got a matrix yeah. and a, an aperture and we've got all this science stuff. And of course, now we have one of the scientists who actually wrote a book saying, it's just magic. Yes. <laughs> that was when, I, after that, I made my coming out. <laughs> Which book was that? Dean Radden. Oh, I thought you meant one of the remote viewing people. Real, real yeah, magic. Yeah. Real magic. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. And and Dean Radden is now doing a sigil, an experiment with sigils. I saw it. Um, how, I believe how's that's that going? A, started uh, it yet? I believe that's a sort of recreation of the uh, double slit experiment. If I'm right, like I, I tried to sign up for it. I was like, oh yeah, I'll do some sigil stuff. But uh, the idea is they're trying to perceive photons. Psychically, I believe. I'll admit I skimmed the material. Well, um, I I don't think he's actually. I think he's just putting the word out there, and I don't think he's actually collected uh, the people yet. I don't think they've actually moved it on to the next phase of the experiment. And I mean, I think he's looking for at least like two hundred people. Ah. Too. So. Well, in that I'm case, not sure. in in the off chance. Uh, Dr. Raiden, you happen to be listening to our podcast. Holler at your boy. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I also. And um, also, uh, Gordon White from Rune Soup, he interviewed uh, Dean Raiden. They're talking about sigils, and Gordon's working on a sigil a day at the moment for 2024. No. That sounds to me like too many sigils. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I'm, I uh, I saw that and uh, 
it didn't even cross my mind to participate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, more power to anybody who can commit to that, but that is way too much for me. Um, so do you want to see more stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I just saw uh, Dean Radin's thing about the sigils. Um, you'll be sent a custom-designed box with a double-slit experiment configuration and environmental sensors. It has an LED for feedback and plugs into your computer. The goal is to use the sigil to influence the outcome of the experiment. Cool. Mm. Oh, don't see why that shouldn't work. Cool idea. Mm. That's fun that yeah. it's like bridging the, the science-y world and the chaos yeah. magic world. Yeah, and I think he's going to send them all over the world too. I mean, he he was doing the interview with the, the Australian magician, so I don't see why. But... So here's my next piece of tech that you both have. Oh, How I don't have do that kind that? of money. Yeah. <laughs> I actually use mine less and less these days, but when when it comes in useful, it comes in really useful. I think what I like to use mine for the most is transinduction um, and ERV cooldown and stuff. The the device in question is the Omnipemph Neorhythm, which is uh, a mouthful. It's a headband that goes on your head like something out of Star Trek and it has pulsed electromagnets in it so if anybody's familiar with binaural beats and the idea of entraining your brain to get into a dominant frequency range this this does it but with electromagnets and it's uh, I think there's various scientific studies which have validated that it's a real effect um, it's therapeutically used as well as being used by um, the likes of us so why would that, you put it on your neck, Carl? That's where your vagal nerve is. Okay. Ooh. And they've just done an, a research. Uh, Omnipemp has just had a research done with the vagal nerve. And they ask you to actually wear it there. Mm -hmm. This calms you down immediately. This is uh, extraordinary. What so, setting do you put it on to achieve that? Uh, they gave it. To, they gave you a custom setting to the people who participated in the research. Ah, Oh, we're gonna have so much stuff in the show I've, notes. I've heard yeah. of a few different. <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard of a few different techniques and like traditions that involve the vagus nerve. Uh, I believe uh, there, there's a YouTuber out there. He goes by the name Grandmaster Wolf. He was talking about some sort of near-death experience ritual that this order of monks he claims he's trained with do, where they slap you right there, and it basically basically kills you for a certain amount of time and then they smack you there, research factory settings. And in the meantime, your consciousness explores dead. That sounds like that scene in Doctor Strange. It does. Wow. It, if anybody's tried it, let us know. <laughs> Look at this. How's this for synchronicity? My coffee cup on the inside says Robin. <laughs> we were just talking about the letter to Robin. <laughs> These robins on here. Oh, look, there's robins on it. Wow. The, this is part of the, this is the Omnipemph tube. It, it looks like a pillow. It's, it's got the coils inside. It's okay. got um, conductive material. I'd like to sleep on this one. Um, he likes to, yeah, he does. Like, he'll sleep near me when I have it on. Mm. So there, there's the, you know, where you tap this one to turn it on and off. 
you tap this here to turn it on and off, and the coils are distributed inside here. And the theory is that you, put, if you're concentrating, especially for focus, mm. you know, it's got a really good that focus um, on this is really good. So you can put it on your your chair behind the chair. On, mm. I think chair. if I put something that size there, I would struggle to concentrate because I'd get a <laughs> bad neck, a quick neck. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that that's another one. It they they do have sales Omnipemp. Mm, they're yeah, very kind. The sales. They do uh, refurbed units they sometimes as well. So yeah. they are quite expensive. They're a few hundred euros. But, but they're cheaper than the other. There are lots of the other devices like the Sensate, and there's one that's clips the vagal nerve, and there's one that there's, you keep in your pocket. Quite a few of these pulsed electromagnetic entrainment products out there, and I haven't seen one that comes close to the neorhythm in terms of cost and versatility and convenience. There's lots of these things that are like thousands of dollars, and they're a one-trick pony, and they look like something that some guy built in his shed. And this thing is like a finished unit. It has an app. It works really well. Charges over USB. It's light. It's really, really the best solution that I'm aware of if you want to play with this technology. And it will do things like um, get you into a delta range if you're struggling to sleep, it use it for pain relief. Um, I've never used it for the sleep thing, but I did try it on the delta setting just in the evening to see what would happen. And I think it says you're supposed to do it for 20 minutes. So I did it for like an hour and a half just to see what would happen. And um, I, was, I sort of thought, wow, I feel a bit sleepy, but I'm okay. And when I stood up, from my desk it felt like you know if you get jolted awake in the middle of the night and you're kind of coming out of a deep sleep cycle and you're kind of disorientated and your balance feels a bit off and everything it felt like that you know getting chucked out of bed um yeah. so it's definitely effective yeah um, yeah from my own experience yeah and um we're not being endorsed uh, we're not you know no no endorsed. we're not being paid we all paid for this <laughs> because it's good but Really, they would like it's to pay us. Uh, fabulous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know whether magicians and psychics are the target market. We might be rather a small niche. Um, hang on. So, talking about magicians, now, when I was doing, um, when I first started off meditating, I was using a sound and light machine. So, oh, uh, yes. Yeah, these I've things have a long these... history, don't they? Yeah, but yeah. I think in the 1970s, people were playing with this kind of idea. Yeah, that's right. It's got a. So it's got yeah. glasses with LEDs, LEDs that shine into your eyes. Flashing, they're like yeah. dark glasses. Yeah. And then, wow, is that a Walkman? <laughs> it's. Um, nobody's going to know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. The young a, people won't know that um, one either. It's called Hypnosis Centers, Positive Changes. Um, I believe it was called a galaxy, but it's a sound light machine. And you can, uh, I haven't got it charged up. I think it needs to be plugged in. But it's got, this was how I learned to meditate with, with this. It has, it's got sessions with the, this is like before you had apps. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! How old is this thing then? I don't know, we're talking twenty years ago. Wow, so that must have been before... real cutting edge tech. Yeah, yeah, before smartphones and all of that. Yeah. Uh, so this was this is really wonderful. Um, 
And the, of course, the modern version of this would be the Lucia light experience. Mm -hmm. That is. Um, well, that thing is more designed for therapeutic settings, though, right? Isn't that a huge bit of equipment and yeah, yeah. very expensive? Very expensive. Mm. But this is a real Most beauty. expensive flashing light you'll ever sit underneath, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sound. This was this was a really beautiful uh, piece of equipment, and it uh, it changed my meditation practice enormously. So, is that a entrainment thing, like the near rhythm is? It seems like that might be working, like the gateway tapes as well. If it has, does it have guided meditations, and it changes what it's doing as you go through it? No, it's got um, it has binaural beat sound mm -hmm. coming from here, but it has another. Um, another possibility to put um, audio in. So you put your own meditation over oh. and then you keep the, like the white noise or the binaural beats from this, from, produced by this machine. And the, the flashing light pattern takes you on a journey. Basically. Oh, cool. This was, oh, it, was what, it, used to, it was wonderful technology. Really well, quite extraordinary. <laughs> So that was that was before this kind of thing. Mm. There was an art installation a couple of years ago, I think, where you could go along and it was just a flashing light thing, but it induced like a psychedelic state in people and people lying there absolutely tripping balls and it was completely open to the public. Yes. I, I think that must yeah. have blown a few people's minds that it this came was to Milan. It was at the uh, Fondazione Prada. And I think he's called Karsten, um, Holger Karsten. It, it was a whole wall of light bulbs that were, it was the most, I went back every single day. It was just oh, so you did fun. it. Was it? What was your experience? It was, um, it, it was sublime. It was a sublime experience because you just immediately left your body and went up into this, uh, I don't, it was like a wall of light bulbs that were flashing that just took you immediately into trance as you walked into the room. Wow. It was astonishing. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yeah, he's a very good artist, that. Uh, and I keep forgetting the name. I've got it written down because it left, I mean, we're talking 10, 15 years ago, even 20. He was at the Venice Art, the Biennial Art Exhibition as well. I feel like there should be an app for this that will flash your phone screen. <laughs> you can well, just hold it really close to your head. But it's something I'd really like to do with the virtual reality headset. I'm sure mm. you can do it. Well, I think VR can get people into a bit of an altered state of mind, even in its normal mode of operation without introducing these sort of technologies to manipulate and mess with your brain. Mm. Um, like just the very act of being in VR already kind of messes with people's sense of self and location and also yeah. there's some quite, oh, I suppose it's interesting research, um, but it's quite potentially alarming, I think, that, you know, people's sense of morality gets manipulated in virtual environments as well and then that can have a persistent effect once... Once they take the headset off, um, who knows where that's going to go? Well, it could possibly go when, wrong, right? 
my son went through a, an awful lot of effort and time to save up to buy a set. And he tried it out and he stopped using it. <laughs> well, <laughs> this has happened every time 3D has come out. 3D computer screens, 3D movies. There's a big hoo-ha about it. There's new technology. Everybody goes to see Avatar in 3D. And then everybody realizes it sucks. Actually, more immersive isn't necessarily better. Yeah, immersive. That was a bombardment. Mm. That Avatar 2 is terrible. So <laughs> what else can I show you? That's my box of tarot cards. Oh, so you've only got one or two decks then? <laughs> Is it like a shoebox? I'm, I'm, I'm being, um, I have to be very um, careful because I would just buy them forever. But um, let's say I'm learning runes. Well, what sort of runes are you using? Um, I've, I've made my own. Let's see. I've got, so I just made little ones. But I've got these very beautiful rune cards that I'd like to show you. So these are my very own handmade runes there. Little, little bits of branch cut up, inscribed and painted, painted red with a drop of blood in the red, as, as is requested by the runes. And um, I made two sets. One was the training runes with the names on the back. But this this is um, a, a absolutely wonderful. Uh, as you can see, it's much used. What does that say? It says rune cards, the sleepanair rune cards, and that's what they look like. So it's runes done in cards with a little a, haiku. A little haiku. So would you use this just instead of having rune stones? Yeah, yeah. For divination, it's, I really like to use cards. They're available. They're very nice. It's light, quite light cardstock. So it's a little pack like that. It's easy to take around. And, of course, runes have um, such deep, profound messages. I'm a little bit um, too Mediterranean for Nordic yeah. Uh, messages and runes are quite can be quite severe at times. Hey. With, I use a uh, set of ceramic ones. So it's the uh, Eldar Futhark, that particular rune system. What I like about them compared to tarot, and I do enjoy switching between both. They do feel a little bit tougher on you, but I like it's almost a magnetic feel when I reach in the pouch, and it's yeah. like one particular one speaks to me. I pull it out. Yeah, I have a little bag of runestones here. Oh, you've got them too. Oh, I haven't touched them for years, actually. I forgot that I even had these, and then you guys reminded me. I, I had a little play with them, um, but I do so little divination that tarot cards are enough, really. I, I very rarely get any tools out. I, I just want to um, go back to something you were saying about just buying tarot decks forever, right? What do you think about the... Uh, like on YouTube, there's people reviewing tarot decks all the time and everybody's releasing tarot decks. And you think, are these really adding value? Do you think we can kind of get sucked into buying all these cool things and then you end up with like 100 tarot decks? And it's, it seems kind of unsustainable to me because, I mean, maybe I'm boring, but I have a Thoth deck. Um, I started with right away, then I got the Thoth deck and I've never, ever got anything else. You know, I just don't, 
I don't need it. It works. So don't fix it, right? So do you think there's um, anything to be gained from... I totally. That's why I said to you, it's only in one box and I'm not going anywhere else with that. There's one more. There's just one more pack that I want to buy. <laughs> just, just one more. One more. One yeah. more drink. Well, <laughs> I, I think uh, seeking out a, a different styles of decks are helpful for a few really reasons not just to justify my own collection but the uh, I, I feel like they're very valuable as art and because those cards are meant to be a language of symbols it's a way that you can see the collective consciousness sort of evolving symbols to tie in new concepts i also think there's something to the creators of the decks sort of imbuing an aspect of their personality, their ideals into the cards that can lead to new meetings. Like I have a, uh, I have a deck that's like a Cthulhu mythos tarot. And it's, it's funny <laughs> yeah. to me because all of the cards are these dark spooky things. So it's one of the few ones I use reversals and they almost always come up reverse because I don't really run into that many dark and spooky things. So <laughs> So this is just to straight the original basic Marseille deck and it's only the major arcana. And this for me was a learning tool because I learned numerologically the the meaning of every single number. Uh, this was my and the Marseille deck I, I also work as a movement therapist and I teach a technique called bio dancer movement of life right and one of the things we do is we dance with the tarot so if you move if you incorporate it you get a deeper understanding of it how, so does, that, how does that work it'll um or you draw a card uh, or um, you take people through a journey of the cards, you can do it as a weekly thing because it's a journey. It's from zero. So you, you go through you all the cards. You can go through all the cards, or if you just have a one one session, you draw your own card and you dance that, and so there'll be <clears throat> the uh, the dance going. represents the the image in the card. It's not like I I had an initial flash of like grabbing the card, holding it out, dancing a little waltz with it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, bear dance is it's a set of um, movement techniques designed to get you into contact with your subconscious. Because all of this, again, it's like body based learning, what we're talking mm. about, we're using your body, remote view. There's always trying to think, what, what have I got? What am I doing that? All of the things have something in common. Art therapy, remote viewing, and movement therapy. It's all body-based learning. It's embodied uh, consciousness. So, And, the, you know, the tarot card's got really profound knowledge. So it's something really nice to dance with. But it's a set of exercises designed to take you into a state of transcendence. Okay. And right. to be able to connect with what the meaning of the card. So would you say there's something in common here with the, the practice of scrying the tarot card, but, you know, in order that you're going to get at that deeper meaning within the symbolism of the card to do yeah. the dance exercises as opposed to doing the scrying exercise, are you going to get at the same kind of meaning? You're going to... Um, so 
um, it's like the hero's journey. It, the, the major arcana is, I mean, it starts off as a fool with nothing, and then it moves on, magician, then you, you, you go through to the teachers, to the wise people, to the adventures, to the tower where your life comes crashing down and into transformation. Yeah. And then and then onwards, strength, justice, all of those hermit that you know, you retire to learn more. It's like a journey through life until you get to the world. So it's it's more about a profound transformation. So yeah, I mean that's the journey in the major arcana. My my question was like, um, you know, there's the traditional exercise where you just sit and stare at the card until you go cross-eyed and kind of go into the card and experience it and envision it in trance. Um, I was wondering whether this exercise is like a different way of accessing the same thing. It's very very similar, I think. Mm. It's very. But similar. It sounds like it could be much more accessible. I think. A lot of people would be not so willing to go and sit in a dark room with candles and stare at a tarot card for hours on end, right? Yeah. This is probably yeah. more engaging. Rather walk, uh, dance a little bit, move around, do certain things, and then find yourself in contact with it. Mm. Like the biodancer exercises are, are structured to take you in step by step in an easy way. Cool. They're, it's re they're really nice. So that's the that's um that's the Marsilia. I've of course I've I've got a a Rider White um there. As you can see it's very well used. <laughs> it's an easy deck to use because the meanings are clear. You can see the images. The story's right there for you to was... And I stayed with those ones. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to add, it was actually the first tarot deck to have images for every single card. Previously, it would be a tarot deck would be more like a regular deck of playing cards, but with a additional 22 for the major arcana. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, and then quite a few years ago, I was... Um, on a group on Facebook where they were talking about the magician's deck, which is an oracle deck for, it's not a tarot deck, it's an oracle deck for magicians. Um, it's very severe. <laughs> it's very, 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 no, she doesn't mince with this, it's Josephine Littlejohn's uh, deck. Well, I uh, can't quite read these on my screen. What do some of these say? Um, inspiration. There. Oh, that's not too severe. That's nice, no. It isn't, but I can tell you, um, uh, the leader. I um I went through initiation, uh, and I did a reading, a magician's reading. I thought, wow, I'm in now. I'm in this group, and she said, oh, it's just an occultist. It's just a superficial magic. It's not real, deep, proper magic. That's what my that's a chariot. They're beautiful cards. They wow. really are beautiful. There's, um, Do you use that regularly or is it just in the box, just in case? I'd, no, I use them um, when I'm ready to do a very deep, in-depth uh, exploration hmm. because it's, 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 you're going to get the naked truth right in your teeth. Yeah. Are they <laughs> cards that are kind of really good for the introspective, self-transformational yes. kind of yes. stuff? Yeah. It's, um, oh, she's got them. Um, 
the, the layout at the back uh, here. Where is it? Uh, she's got a couple of uh, really nice layouts. She of life layout. But that's that's when that's a that's how you should do a layout there. So wow. it's quite, a lot of stuff in that spread. Yeah. Um very, very nice. And you can feel these again. It's like that they, they really are alive. It's a big difficult it's a bit unwieldy to shuffle. You normally just put mm. them down to shuffle them. I wish decks were smaller. I don't know. Do I have tiny hands or something? Like, no. why do they make them so big? It makes them yeah. so awkward to shuffle. I just want to say, Carl, I'm really glad that I'm not the only person who uses like scruffy post it notes sticking out of their books <laughs> Did instead you of see nice, it? neat little oh, look at things. Oh, that is absolutely <laughs> yeah. I was like the last reading. I still have to metabolize. So, yeah. and they are there. <laughs> I do. And, you know, if I read for people, because I do readings for people. If I read for someone and I know it's important, um, I'll do the reading beforehand so I have mm. time to study it because it's it's a lot. Yeah. And then at at the time, then I'll use it. I've got this little deck by an English psychic. She's called Saskia Lee. And they are just it's such an easy deck to use. Um you were saying people on YouTube doing uh, <laughs> reviews of decks. Well, um, my I follow Benabel Wen, and um, she I've been using her magical diary uh, for for many many years, and she does reviews of tarot. She reviewed this, and for some reason, it just I, I just had to have it. But this deck, <clears throat> this is what I do my my quick readings with in in the group. Um, we do we do like a three or four card reading, and we have five minutes to read for each other. So those are her beautiful cards, and um, she has a, always a prompt at the bottom. See, that's the hierophant, and she says meditation or wisdom. So that's number five. That would be the Pope, right? But that's like t learning, teaching. They're gorgeous. They really are. But the thing about them is this wonderful keyword at the bottom. Hey. So they really are. They're lovely, great pictures that explain everything. <laughs> it's nice and succinct as well. Makes it's, sense. It's astonishing. It really is. This is my go-to deck for, uh, you know, quick, quick readings. Hey. I've got one more. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> Last one. So, um, uh, I was um, there's a there's a an occult festival in Berlin uh, every year. Uh, it's called Occulture, and I'm I've been a couple of times. I've done a ritual there. I've done a talk about remote viewing as well at Occulture. It's it is recorded, so it's available out there. Um, there's somebody who goes there called Susan Wands, and she's a tarot expert. She's written a book, a couple of books, actually. And the last occulture I went in 22, there was one this year, but I didn't go. She gave a talk about the family, like family systems in tarot. And I'm very interested in family constellations, systemic 
constellations, systems, how things fit into systems. And the family is very interesting. She gave this absolutely wonderful talk using tarot decks that had families in them, people and family interrelationships. And she came up with this very extraordinary deck, extraordinary, absolutely, done by two artists. There's the moon for you. And it's called, where's the book? Madame Lulu's Book of Fate. That's the <laughs> book. And the pack, the deck is called A Guide of the Carnival at the End of the World. The Carnival at the End of the World. They are, it so, is. Sorry to interrupt. Does this deck relate to family systems, does it? It, I don't know well, how it slipped into her talk, and I absolutely can't remember. But it was in there, and I just, it, I had oh, to wow. have it. It took me a really long, it's, um, it's, exp it's expensive, and you've got customs and postage. The artists are in America. Mm. So it took me a really, really long time to actually get my hands on that. <laughs> what do you use this one for? Um, <laughs> so it's um I use it when I need to really work hard because it takes a lot of interpreting. I mean, mm. just look at that. And it's not just a normal deck. Oh well. So, so you have to be, this Yeah. This if book the, is a work of art as well. You yeah. have to climb inside the art and yeah. go mad. Yeah, it's a, it. it's another one of those ones that's a lot of work. I haven't really Yeah. You see that would be too much for me. Yeah. The, after this one, I said, okay, I have to slow down a bit the entire <laughs> He said, well, <laughs> openly owning a Thoth deck. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> I have the, the guidebook for the Thoth deck. It's oh. so good. You don't even need yeah. to study tarot. <laughs> yeah. I've got, the th I've got an Italian Thoth and an English Thoth as well. <laughs> Are they the same? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I suspect no, the words are different. One's written... Yeah, one's written in Italian and one's written Oh, you mean the guidebook, not the, not the deck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, with even the names on the deck. Mm. Why? Well, I I had this overwhelming urge to have it immediately, and so I had to go into town and buy it. Ah, right. The, the English one takes time to arrive. And... Yeah, I mean, I tend to only use tarot if I'm really stuck on some personal question, you know, and I just need some something to get my thinking going again, um, which generally means a kick in the ass, right? Because it's usually something that we're not looking at and we need something to go, you look here. And I find Thoth is really good at kicking me in the ass, which is what I use tarot for. So um, I kind of feel like my needs are <laughs> fulfilled with that. But Josh, you use tarot in remote viewing sessions, right? Oh, do you? I do from time to time. Uh, when the whimsy strikes me, it's not a consistent thing. I find it helpful because there's, while we try to keep to that strict protocol, the idea of keeping the tasking something that you're blind to, there's so many times that people come up with an issue and they don't understand that and they just blurt it right out. And if I'm like, well, anything I write down now is going to be too influenced, I outsource and utilize the tarot. One of the ways I'll use it is I will pull a, a single card to represent the tasking in and of itself, and then I'll 
where you would prompt a remote viewer, move to the optimum angle and describe or something along those lines. I then pull different cards for those individual movements and break it down as need be. That's an, that's an excellent, that's like, um, if you're too involved in trying to manifest something, then you, you put, you put it onto something external and you make a servitor or a sigil, sigil, servitor, you know, or a thought, yeah, you know. Yes, reblinding yourself or disengaging yourself. Yeah, you take it off, off you and move it on. So that's an excellent idea. Because so, a lot of people don't know about remote viewing, so, you know, they will tell you. Uh -huh. <laughs> They'll tell you the whole story and then say, can you see? So that's when I do readings for them, rather. I, I had that exact same experience over the past 24 hours or so, Coral. I uh, went up on the remote viewing subreddit, was feeling particularly bored, and I was like, I'm an amateur internet psychic. Ask me anything. And that post blew up. I had, if I had charged $5 a question, I'd have about 500 bucks. And most wow. of them, they weren't uh, questions about the technical side. Like, what do you do when you have this kind of task? It was people who they had needs that because they aren't really allowed to post taskings on the forum, they used it as an opportunity to ask me. And I just was, depending on the question, I was either answering intuitively or I'd pull a quick three cards and give a summary it was it was a good time i'm actually still getting questions <laughs> wow <laughs> are you, you better take vitamin b huh yeah <laughs> using all that psychic juice oh does vitamin b help with that well when you use your psychic powers oh and this is something lynn told me 20 years ago uh, remote viewers need to take extra vitamin b i mean i actually do but I didn't know it was... Do you know, when I first got into doing magic and remote viewing and woo-woo stuff, I developed a zinc deficiency as well. So now I take zinc. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I don't know whether the two, there was, that it was definitely causal, but I never used to bother taking anything. And now I take a whole bunch of vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm getting old. No, 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 no. It's um, a lot of uh, remote viewers have... Um, thyroid deficiency and definitely vitamin B deficiency. And it was something Lynn warned me about and it's something I tell all my students, make sure you take extra vitamin B because it does deplete that. Any particular B vitamin? I mean, there's quite a few, isn't there? I, did, um, I think it's B6 and B12. But mm. I mean, take the range. Better be safe <laughs> than sorry. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any more wacky toys? Well... <clears throat> I only have one thing left for a blessing for 2024 because we are all going to need a blessing, aren't we? And here's my honey bottle for this year. <laughs> oh, there's quite a reflection on it. You can't see Nice. There. Yeah. So my, my honey bottle, this one, it's got a coin for abundance. It's got saffron in for abundance. It's got gold it's got a bay leaf Ooh, it's got nice. things in for protection so we've i've got sage and the bay leaf cinnamon to sweeten i've got lots of sparkly things at the bottom <laughs> to bring sparkle to my knife crystals stones i have um fennel to sweeten life a little bit um and i don't know if you can see that can you see there's like a little talisman in there 
that's actually the the symbol for um you know odin the nordic odin was hung upside down on the tree in order to get a different perspective to get knowledge and a different perspective of life and he had two crows called hugen and munen and they would fly to the ends of the earth and bring him back information. So I've put that little symbol in there. Uh, you can barely see it at the top. Yeah. But anyway, it's a, the Nordic symbol of the two crows. I can I have the the graphic. <laughs> we can you can put it on the on the course notes so that people can print their own. So that's my <laughs> that's my New Year's honey bottle. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, and may it bring abundance and blessings to all. I I was thinking when when we were planning doing this show, I hardly use anything. Um, I'm really like anti props and anti stuff. But then I had to think about the stuff I actually have. I actually have quite a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> Go but on. Some of it is quite conventional stuff, and I wanted to include it because it's easy to overlook that and go for new fancy whizzy things with flashing lights and magnetic fields and stuff and there's a lot of good stuff there's traditional stuff that's really valuable so my first one is incense oh you know? lovely really... yes oh. and candles yeah candles <laughs> oh nice i haven't got any candles burning here but i quite often do i once uh once made oh, the what? terrible occultist error of going to sleep and leaving a beeswax mm. candle burning and woke up and the Ceiling was covered in soot. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Tell us about your incense. What incense are you using? Um, usually frankincense. Oh, that's. Um, I use the essential oil as well. Oh, I, I have the resin. Um, so it's really, it's really a bit strong. Um, <laughs> you need to open the window. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just going into my my bo box of my <laughs> box. <laughs> Oh, this one's got resins because I love um, natural perfumes, and there. But I'm very lucky because I have contact with the fabulous, famous Dave Lee, mm. and Dave Lee makes his own natural incenses as well as all the other fabulous magical stuff that he does. He teaches courses in runes and breathing, and but I do. I have a a little box full of res incense resins. Ooh, all sorts. Mm. I did. Um, I bought like a range of resins to to try out, and um, I got some myrrh as well as frankincense. Oh, I love it. I don't know. I'm well. Perhaps I got a bad batch because I found it smelled awful, and I never got any more. <laughs> Sweet myrrh. I think frankincense has the most magical um, yeah, power. Yeah. It's actually the only one I bother with. Um, I don't have a big range of them. I know, I'm, I'm not into doing Goetia or working with a broad range of deities or anything, so I don't find myself accumulating vast piles of stuff so I have correspondences and everything. It's, it's just too much work for me. I am lazy and, like, There's a lot of organisation... I mean, if you don't have, if you only got one kind of incense, you don't need to organize it, right? Another herbal thing that's quite nice is tea, um, which I'm now going to pour myself a cup of because I've run out of coffee. So use copper. 
because we um, are elec electric beings. We're electric. And copper is really good for your electromagnetism to drink out of. I'm sure I can give you some a good link to explain it. That copper cup looks extremely shiny, so I assume it has some kind of lacquer. Is it raw copper inside? No, it arrived for Christmas, so it's really new. Because, looks I mean, copper tarnishes very fast. Yeah, look. You look at your plumbing pipes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's just the outside. Uh, if it stays like that, then it's probably got a, a lacquer on there, which might not be doing you any good. <laughs> it's it's a minefield, isn't it? We're even yeah, drinking no, wrong. I have um, an I mean, very, very Indian copper. Mm. So, yeah, pure copper. Nice tea. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got chamomile because I'm not doing anything weird, but I have tried doing mugwort tea and burning the, just the dry mugwort herb as an incense. Um, it's definitely a bit psychoactive, but um, I'm not sure how safe it is to take large quantities of it. <laughs> Um, that's called that's i mean it's a dream it's a dream yeah, yeah. but it's, I mean, it's traditionally it's used in witchcraft i think um because it grows like a weed here you know it is a weed and you can find it all over the place i have to say i'd buy mine on ebay in huge bags probably wow. for, you know um so the the quality can be a little bit hit and miss i found a, a dried sweet corn kernel in one of my mugwort bags that had obviously got in there when they were filling the <laughs> snacks up. And how, how do you manage to get it done uh, with honey? No, I find it quite pleasant to drink. Oh. Um, mm. I make it in a, a cafetiere um, because it's a real, you have to use quite a lot to get a strong tea and it's like a rough grind with all the stalks and everything in. Um, but if you make it in a cafetiere or a French press for our US listeners, it makes it really easy to make a, a large amount of strong tea. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's good for dreaming. I'm not very good at all the dreaming stuff, and it's not something I've practiced a huge amount. I find it's, it's good for stuff when you're awake. Um, it helps get into that slightly dreaming. altered state. It just makes everything a little bit more trippy, you know. Just, But it's a very gentle effect. Um, I do know that it's potentially unsafe to use if you're pregnant, or maybe stick to the incense or something. I don't know. Like the the safety profile of mugwort isn't very well established, and you do need to take quite a lot of it to get a psychoactive effect. So I'm not sure whether it's a great idea to be chugging gallons of mugwort tea all the time. But I've tried it before, and it's was nice. But yeah, I mean, chamomile tea probably not a magical mm -hmm. item, but or maybe oh, maybe no, you could argue that it is. Tea is really good. Oh. And what about blue lotus then? What's that? So they're, they're flowers and they're, they're a mild sedative. They're often used in medicinal um, mixtures or uh, teas with ashwagandha. But mm. blue lotus, if you, if you, um, you keep it in wine, right. they're yeah, they're pretty blue. Do you get them dried, pretty blue flowers? Um, leave it in wine, you get a mildly psychoactive substance and, that is what I use for dreaming because ah. dream dream practice for me is very very important. Oh, I never heard of that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Blue lotus, it's nice. Doesn't taste as bad as mugwort. Uh, I, mm. I find mugwort's quite a nice tea. Honestly, uh, I know a lot of people absolutely hate it. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> the incense is quite nice as well if you just burn the herb on a charcoal. No, I'll try. Um, 
So if you do the tea and the incense together, that's pretty nice. Uh, what else have I got? Oh, I have a really, a really out there thing next, which, full disclosure, I was sent this for free as a review item. What's in the box? Ooh. Pretty box. I it's love a lovely boxes. box, actually. It's yeah, really nice. Boxes. Really nice packaging. So I have here is this thing is called the Living Crystal. Um, and oh, it's, it's like absolutely beautiful. It's, it's really cool. You can get these oh. on livingcrystal.com. Um, oh, the battery's flat on this. And it has like a, a Vogel crystal cut inside. And there. and it's got um, a copper wire. Yeah, so when you switch it on, yeah, there's a small DC current, makes a weak magnetic field around it. So it's not it's not doing anything loud in a the sense that you would measure with, you know, in conventional physics. It just runs off a 9-volt battery. Um, and I'm very skeptical of stuff like this. Um, and I don't no, like no, no. to buy no. stuff like this because it's kind of, I see it as a crutch. Um, or a prop, and I think, well, I should be able to work without this. Um, but Bob Smith over at 60 Skills said, I'm working on this thing, and here's the backstory of how we developed it, which the design for this came from uh, Magical Working. And I thought, well, that sounds oh, great. I, will, I, I will give it a try, right? Why not give it a try? Um, and actually, I can feel something from this. And the idea is this, this is a glass sphere on top, and you can just take it's... it off. And you can put whatever other stuff you want. You could put it. Charged. It doesn't have to be a rock. You know, it yeah. can be some magical thing. And I have to say, you know, on the sort of on the magic woo-woo level, when I turn this on, I can actually feel something, which I was really quite shocked about because there's no scientific reason why you should, right? <laughs> but perhaps there is a magical reason. So that thing is cool. Well, um, I don't I use can... it very much, but... Um, well, you've used it enough to get the to use where the battery aren't. Uh, well, I've been in this box for a while. I think it's gone flat. It's one of those, um, you know, you can get the nine volt batteries that actually have a USB plug on the battery, yeah, so you yeah, plug yeah. it in and to recharge. Yeah, it's yeah. actually lithium on the inside. I put one of those in so that I wouldn't have to keep buying the. But that's very beautiful and highly desirable. Um, and you can buy you can buy a travel version, I think, oh. as well. But um, you, you know, just in itself, that it's a Vogel crystal. So a Vogel crystal in itself is extremely powerful, uh, and just that in itself is something that really does work. Uh, I know healers who use them for healing and to send healing with. Mm. Plus, that has um, it's got a, a circuit on it, so it's even been more enhanced. I yeah, I think the idea is that it amplifies whatever you put above and below it. So it has the, the glass sphere on, and the idea is that it kind of just spreads out in a neutral way. But people put different sorts of crystals on, or even sigils or cards. Or There's a few webinars on YouTube that you can go uh, when they were launching this thing, um, where they give different ideas for using it. But anyway, I, I was very pleasantly surprised by that, because I'm like... I'm despite having had several positive experiences with crystals, I still find myself really skeptical um, <laughs> of the claims that are made, you know, and it's uh, not something I uh, know a lot about or invest any money in. Um, but yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised by that. So um, yeah, you can buy it in 3D printed wood as well, which looks really nice. Oh, there's a crystal to enhance your remote viewing as well, you know? 
is that? Mm. I can't remember what it's called. It's like a Cilicia-based one, and it looks like a TV screen. It's it's a flat piece. And how do we how do we know that this is effective? <laughs> I yeah, don't know. I think I'll, it's I think pretty. I'll spend my money on tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'm, I like pretty things, obviously. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, a real classical magical implement, which it um perpetually cracks both me and my wife up that I own this thing is a genuine cast iron oh, cauldron. A crucible. From, oh, look at this. Made in England back when people boy, manufactured cast yeah. iron in England. And I got this on eBay as a horrible lump of rust and soaked it in vinegar for like a week and scrubbed it with wire brushes and soaked it. And then I seasoned it in the oven with um, flaxseed oil to get the black finish back. I mean, I don't do that kind of magic of making up potions and stuff, but I do occasionally set stuff on fire. Um, so this is a fire safety device rather than really a magical device because I'll probably be burning stuff in a, a bowl or a tin or a fire the fireplace, but it was just such a lovely object. It's and beautiful. It's really heavy. Wow. It's, it's beautiful. So that will be really useful for when you have a Mars perfection, yeah? And you have you can have some cast iron to uh, release the Mars with. Mm. What do I do with it? <laughs> I don't know, but I had a Mars perfection year last year, and I can tell you, I got I had a lot of Mars things to fight and deal with, and and I bought myself a new cast iron pan. Ah. And I made sure I heaved it over to the, the oven to use as often as I could to, you know. My wife bought me a cast iron skillet, actually, as a, a Christmas gift a couple of years ago, and I love cooking on it. Oh, really nice thing to use. Cast iron is wonderful. Mm. And I can't afford that fancy tin copper stuff. <laughs> so cast iron is a good, good second. What else have I got in here? Oh, obligatory. Holy water, just in case. Oh, very nice. Um, I mean, holy water, people might think you have to go to the church or the sacred well, but of course, it's just a symbolic object. Bless it yourself. Get some rainwater or some spring water from a spring. Put it out under the full moon. Oh, yeah, that's popular, isn't it? I didn't with this. I think, oh, there is some stuff in there, so that is natural water. Mm. Um, I love the bottle. It, it was actually from a balsamic dressing um saporoso which is very nice but ridiculously overpriced these days yeah. but you have lovely beautiful bottles so i thought i'd reuse it for that <laughs> well i have what i think is the most important technology that any of us have or will ever use in personal development and magic and remote viewing and everything which is pen and paper it is oh, you have to have let's see your pen well you know what pen this is <laughs> Uh, Ooh, no, it's like a, uh, a, there a it is. Yeah. Best. Oh, I use 0.5. Ooh, I find it too scratchy and I find it grabs the page too much. And then, of course, a magical journal full uh, of post it notes and crazy. I'm just trying to wonder where my diaries have gone because I'd love to show you the Benabel Win one. It's, it's gone somewhere because I'm working on it. Yes, that's. Um, that's what I was telling you about your body being your modem. Mm. When you have a pen in your hand, you're, you're using the intelligence of your hands. Yeah. Well, it's like when we do ideograms, 
isn't it? We're, what, I think learning to do an ideogram can be really challenging for people who don't know that's where your hand will draw something seemingly on its own. And what we're training to do is make a little moment where the subconscious mind can take over and do a quick little squiggle. And it serves as a, a the introduction to a CRV session and contains a huge amount of information. It's sort of a, it's very similar to a sigil, if people are familiar with that concept, except, uh, you know, you have to decode it yourself rather than create it consciously. And I always say the body is the only thing that the conscious and the subconscious mind can both have a two-way conversation with. So it's a really effective bridge from the conscious mind down to wherever all of this stuff happens and all the mystery is. And of course, where all the trauma and habit and nonsense is as well. And it's all kind of hidden behind that same barrier, right? So these, these techniques are as powerful for magic and remote viewing as they are for self-transformation and healing, which is cool. Have we got any more toys? I don't have any fun toys I can share, but <laughs> I would probably say my most important uh, magical gadget I use is my phone. It doubles as a <laughs> grimoire, a sigil repository. A, yeah. You can turn it off and it becomes a scrying mirror. Um, oh. <laughs> you have a funny story about using your phone as a scrying I do. mirror one day. I Actually, it's, uh, it's a fun little did he or didn't he have a retrocausal moment. I was initially, I was researching scrying for the first time and... I was watching just a little tutorial video on YouTube. Uh, the lady in particular, she went through a little, here's scrying, here's how it works. And at the end of the video, she left the video recording her own black mirror with uh, two candles on either side. And she was doing her own reading. And I happened to be uh, just passing some downtime in the office. And I was like, all right, well, I'll give it a shot. I had just been passively listening to it prior. So as I gaze into the mirror, I sort of put my my focus, my consciousness into her mirror through the screen. And by that, for our audience, I mean, I, I just, that's what I imagined as I focused. And I hear her going in the background and she's all of a sudden she goes, there's a, a young man in the mirror. He's his late 20s, early 30s, and I was like, oh, went too far. I pulled it back. <laughs> and then as I pulled myself back, I, she goes, and he's gone back into the mirror. And what's particularly spooky about that, uh, if you don't just chalk it up to coincidence in general, is that video was nine years old when I was watching it. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> Makes you think about the nature of time, doesn't it? Mm. We have weird experiences like that. Yeah. We'll have to test it out sometime, see if we can uh, get all our scrying mirrors out and have a psychic Zoom call. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a chapter in the Psychonauts field manual, not specifically about scrying, but it's this uh, commentary on how wizards could telepathically send each other brief messages and then there's a note under there that's uh this technique has pretty much been superseded by modern text messaging <laughs> <laughs> i mean it can be done although I, I usually use it to check in with people and go 
why haven't you replied to my email? Do I need to call you? <laughs> mm. Yes, that that psychic dialing people up. Oh, when you think about someone, it's because mm. they, oh, or they're about to phone you, or they they need you for something. So yeah, yeah, but I think that's a really common experience, even for people who don't practice, doesn't it? Is suddenly thinking of somebody, and then the phone rings two minutes yes. later, and it's them. I occasionally get um. Well, I would describe it as a feeling of sinus pressure, but I suppose you could say, oh, it's energy in the third eye, if you want it to be like that. But the way I experience it is stuffy sinuses there. Um, for some reason, my subconscious mind has decided that that is the, the voicemail light that is like, you have one message. You know, and then I have to say, there you go, what is this? And um, sometimes it's like, oh, no, you have a cold, you know. But sometimes there's something interesting in there. Um and I didn't do that on purpose. It just happened that I was having really snappy sinuses for days, which I don't usually suffer from. I don't have any problem with my sinuses. And so I used one of these techniques to kind of get into the um, into the body to ask it questions and go, what, what's going on here? And uh, it was like, no, no, you have, there's a message in here. This has nothing to do with your nose. Um, and ever since then, very occasionally, you know, I'll feel that and be like, oh, somebody wants me. Um, or somebody's left me a message, which is just kind of cool. And I still have no problem with my sinuses. Mm. Perhaps that, that's why the subconscious chose it, because mm. you understand no, if I was sneezing and stuffing all the time, I'd never notice. Yeah, and the Italians say if you get burning ears, there's yeah. something. Oh, yeah, we have that here too. It, yeah. Somebody talking about you. I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever had that. I think my favorite you guys? bit of Italian folk magic I've read about is pizza dough divination. <gasps> wow. How do you do that? I forget the exact particulars. Uh, the book itself comes from, or the book itself I'm pulling this information from is Italian folk magic by, I forget her name, but she also goes by the kitchen witch on YouTube. Uh, she, you basically roll out the dough and it's something to do with the lumps in the dough. If the lumps in the dough when you roll it out come out a certain way, that's a, a sign that you have the evil eye on you. I really like this okay. technique, right? Because even if it gives you really bad news, at least you've got pizza. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, that's Rue's kitchen magic, I think. Yes, I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. She's got a, a group on Facebook. Yeah, and that's a whole. Did, there's a really beautiful talisman um, that the Italians have. It's called a cimaruta. In other words, a branch of the rue plant. A ruta, a rue, cima, little, the top end. And on each branch, there's like a little, so there'll be an owl and, and a moon and a star and a key to open the crossroads. And so it's just like a little necklace talisman, but I don't have it. I've got one, but I don't have it to hand. Mm -hmm. The very pretty little talisman from the yeah, side. Yeah, I think I've seen that before. I didn't know it was a thing. I, I used to have, uh, yeah, not specifically that talisman, but from my grandmother I had, uh, I, my mother called it a corno, just the Italian horn, where it was a little bit Naples. of ivory yeah. twisted down, and then sometimes there's a metal crown put on top of it. I, I ended up losing it yeah. uh, in my teenage years. I was very torn up about it, so... When I was struck it out on my own in the Marine Corps, actually, I got it tattooed on my left arm. 
Wow. Look, of course, magical tattoos, and it's not something that's very easy to show on uh, on the screen. But I have them. I have. Well, it's not getting kicked off YouTube. Can't even hear yourself. <laughs> no, it's here on my arm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but it's white. It's a white tattoo, so you can't see it anyway. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah, yeah that's there you are. It's there. Oh, there she wow. goes. That cool. is Hecate's sword. Nice. Hecate, uh, the goddess of the crossroads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Goddess so, what, what's the, the significance? Underworld. Does it well, give you a mean uh, right hook? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, um, well, she, she's the one at the crossroad between the two worlds. So, she will open the road for you to the other side so for remote viewing uh that's a really good goddess to have i hadn't heard that oh, particular really cool. like I, I haven't done much studying on hecate but one of the uh roman deities i've encountered from time to time is uh janus and he has a similar tradition the idea that he's a god of doors and that allegedly uh, the Romans would have to, whenever they wanted to contact any of the other gods, they would dial him up first, and he would be like their operator, connecting them to... Hmm. And he opened the door for us into the new year. He did. This wonderful new year that we're all going to be involved with. And what what uh, that's an interesting connection to me. I'm going to have to research this further, because what makes Janus unique is that he is the only or at least from my research, he is the only uniquely Roman deity, as opposed to when they borrowed and renamed the original Greek pantheon. I wonder if uh, they actually took the Hecate's traditions and then created Janus as a male variation of that. Um, uh, I, that's, we have to go into that. I'm not, I'll have to check that too. I've only just made that connection. I have no evidence or anything to support that, but just based on what you were saying. Okay. So um, I've heard English people call her Hecate, but I've also heard her named Hecate. And uh, she's uh, uh, has dogs. She was, has dogs. And um, she's the goddess of witchcraft as well. But she's in particular the shrines to her in Greece were laid at the crossroads and often bearing light. And, of course, in the myth, she, she was the one um, who was looking after Demeter while she was looking for her daughter. She'd gone into the underworld, and she was accompanying her. And she stayed for a little while at the, um, in the court of the king and queen, and she was looking at she was beige because she was dressed as a poor woman to accompany the Demeter. She was she'd taken that she shone a light. She had a liking with the the queen, and she'd taken the baby, and she was dipping him into the fire to render him immortal. Because I'm forgetting all the names now, but the mother walked in at the time and banished her, and so the child didn't end up immortal, but he was. Um, he did have some superpowers thanks to Hecate. So there's some very beautiful Orphic hymns to Hecate. We actually uh, we encountered well, a bit of unverifiable I, personal I gnosis regarding that legend. <laughs> I think David's about to tell the story. I'll let him. 
Uh, no, I wasn't. I was about to say I just went to look in the ultimate source of truth, Hecate's Wikipedia page, and Janus is listed first in the in the um, see uh, also, yeah. but there's no reference in the body of the text. So I wonder if that's been in there, and then some helpful editor has come and taken away the association. It seems it seems like they're kind of similar, um, but this is like way out of my wheelhouse. Wheelhouse, so I wouldn't want to say. Oh, we uh. We recently we were doing an invocation of Hades just because he's whether or not you uh, our listeners believe in those sorts those other belief systems religions, Hades is a very fun entity to talk to. However, you want to interpret the interaction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. I really don't care whether stuff's made up. It doesn't seem to affect its efficacy. And it, it had just occurred <laughs> that it was winter, so according to the legend, Persephone is uh, away. Right? Or have I got that mixed underneath. up? So No, she's underneath oh. with him. Well see, maybe that was his maybe that that's was his why, hang that's up. why it's winter, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I I I had hmm. the story mixed up. Maybe that's why he Go ahead and tell tell what he said, David, regarding uh, Well, Josh said there uh, you know, pass on the condolences because it got the story. It now turns out back to front. Um and I was like, I don't really want to do that. Okay, all right. So so I do. And he goes, oh, that's just a stupid story. I don't want to... <laughs> People making up all this crap about me. <laughs> it's not literally true. Okay, okay bye. <laughs> yeah. right, Hades is a really fun one. Whenever I've done evocations of Hades, he's been really nice. Like, he's really friendly and amenable and helpful and not at all evil or scary. Um, quite a big energy... Um, the first time I did him, I was sort of going, whoa, what the hell is this? Um, it was reminiscent of an archangel or something. And then I said, hey, would you mind assuming a form which is a bit more accessible and on my scale? And it turned into a guy that looked like, uh, like Jeff Bezos before his Bond villain phase, you know, like a substitute teacher, a friendly librarian. And, uh, it was really nice, you know, just chatty. Uh, dropped loads of occult wisdom on us and told us off for not studying hard enough and um, a whole bunch of metaphor and symbolism and all sorts of interesting stuff came through. It was it was really cool. So I, I would recommend Hades for sure. So Hades, we're talking Pluto, aren't we? Yes, Hades I, think, and... I think so. It's a, because, yeah. you know, Pluto, if you look at astrology, Pluto is the transpersonal planet and it's the... the, the transformation great deep when when you go through pluto returns the united states is going to be going through its pluto return this year so it's normally and um the guys in the astrology podcast uh, actually went back and they looked through history at all the Pluto returns. Mm. And it's huge transformation. Countries rise and fall, power changes hands. And so, and depending on where Pluto is in your own chart, that's where you have to do really big transformational things. So if you're saying it was huge, it's like really, and Pluto is one of the biggest planets there are. Uh, no, it isn't. Physically, Jupiter. you mean, or, or spiritually? Yeah, yeah, no, both. I don't physically. think it's very big physically. Well, isn't no, it's it? all that, that's oh, why they stopped the, it being a planet. Oh, it's one of the ones that they dropped off the list, yeah, wasn't it? It's the last it? one, yeah. yeah. That's and and then everybody who learned yeah. it in school was up in arms, yeah, yeah, going, Well, we're still going to call it a planet, we don't care what you say, yeah, yeah. Well, it's still there in astrology, but it's one of the more difficult ones to actually deal with. 
That was very kind of him to. Well, I mean, who knows what it was exactly that we were reaching out to. The tasking was just Hades, you know, so well, I don't know exactly where that's going to go. Um, he's also taken different forms every time we've conversed with him. Hmm. And, uh, well, I mean, if you think about it, he did a bit of a dirty to get to get the woman, right? You know? Well, according to the thing we were talking to the other day, this is all just a story. Yeah. You know. Which which isn't to <laughs> well, offend I mean, the sensibilities keeps... of any practicing Roman pagans. This is completely unverifiable. This is just an experience we had. Uh, this is just what we're, just we're not. We're not trying to like crap on anybody's religious beliefs. Mm. Yeah, but who knows what we were talking to? I have to say, it did give out some pretty sound, uh, sounding business advice. So that was good. Well, what do you do when you go into the underground? You go down into the underworld. You find out more about yourself. Actually, I just wanted some uh, practical business advice. Well, I think we asked him about some other stuff, didn't we? I can't a little bit. Now. But yeah, we were, we were speaking to him in his aspect as a god of wealth in that particular working. Cool. Was he helpful? Yeah. Some good tips on uh, building client relationships and networking and stuff. Good suggestions. So, yeah, yeah I was happy. Hmm. I mean, maybe it'll turn out to be terrible advice. We'll have to put it into practice and see, but... <laughs> Sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wait for the feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta suck it and see. All right. Have we got any more toys or should we wrap it up? Yeah. Wait, before we do, Carl, yeah. I know you're, you're teaching a remote viewing class at the minute. Is there still space that people can get on that? Um, uh, in um, I think I'm starting on the 4th of February mm-hmm. uh, with Irva on the Irva platform. I'm doing um, the advanced level, so the scalar, dowsing, that sort of thing. But I, I'm, I am starting um, a, a, a basic level too, uh, and I have actually been taking through people individually. It works really well as well individually. What's so, the best way for people to find you or contact you? Uh, email. We'll put it. Okay, I we'll have, put it. I, have, I do have a site explaining everything about remote viewing. It's written in Italian because I'm living in Italy and I'm trying to teach the Italians about remote viewing. Yeah. I'm interested. How, so. How's that going? <laughs> what you need the, to do, the Italians Carl, don't know anything about to remote teach viewing. more use of the body. I was going to say, Italian <laughs> remote viewing has to be a lot more kinesthetic because we talk with our hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I must say that um, you know, ritually, uh, this this new year, I'm I had people set intentions by way of a collage. I actually got people to do a collage, and again, that's hand based knowledge because you're not thinking, you don't have to think about the techniques of making an image. You're just simply cutting out images that appeal to you in some way, thinking about setting an attention, and you, you cut out words and images and things like that, put them together, and look at what you've got in front of you, and there's the most extraordinary message. And I think everybody at the workshop was astounded by what came out. So, yeah, that's body-based. That's what I was saying. And the Italians, are, they're fine with that. Yeah. But well, I, I about... tell people that when I do remote viewing, I remote view like Italians speak. I'm always waving <laughs> my hands around and feeling things and using kinesthetic uh, metaphors, which I'll use my hands to interact with. Um, I'm not even sure 
My wife is like this as well. She isn't Italian as far as we know, but she can't keep her hands still when she talks. And it's like if you stop it, stop waving. She goes, well, I can't speak if I don't wave, you know. <laughs> and yeah. uh, now I'm not sure if I can remote view if I don't wave my hands around. So maybe you need to do my training course where I'll teach you the... Well, I regularly tell students hands. to stand up. Mm, stand yeah. Up. I've heard so many stand people up. say stand up. I do occasionally, but usually, usually I sit down and just sort of flop about because I do so much cowboy RV now. There's no pen and paper. One thing I've found is posture. You, when you're writing at a table, you can be hunched over. And if my back isn't straight, it can absolutely wreck it. And sometimes I'll notice the data's drying up or I'm struggling. And I'll realize, wait, I just need to sit up straight. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. So I guess if you're standing, it's much easier to keep your spine erect, isn't it? Yeah, but if you stand up, then your, your body becomes involved and you can start saying, mm. where am I in relation to the you know, to what I'm viewing, what's in front of me, what, what can I touch, what is it? You involve your body. It's a really yeah. shortcut to... I've had a few people say they got this when they tried doing it on a whiteboard. Um, standing up. And then they found themselves making big movements with their arms and kind of really getting involved. I mean, the, the extreme that I've taken this to myself is, uh, I jokingly call it interpretive dance. But there's a there's a stage seven technique in TRV, which you know anybody could do, which is where you instruct your body to do whatever the body of somebody in the session is doing, um, and I'm sure that's in more than one methodology. Um, yeah. But it can be quite exciting, you know. But I always stand up for that one. Um, once I uh, got knocked back into my chair, my body decided, oh yeah, jumping backwards is how to reenact this thing. You know, it was somebody who was involved in like a. Uh, a vehicle accident <laughs> and uh, like oh what happened to them what happened to their body this is weird they're like smashed yeah. in there and i'm like oh well let's just see it went so like straight back well you do that in med ups and i mean I've, I've had people without legs or something and i've stood up and <laughs> fallen, fallen down oh, yeah. No. yeah 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 oh that's interesting yeah well i think we've yeah. got covered we've covered a lot of material i think there's practically two episodes about to bring you on again and talk more about some of these remote viewing applications. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, thank you so much for yes. joining us, Carl. Oh, thank you. And before you go, can we see your cat again? Is he still there? He's he so was handy. down here before. Uh, Guys, on, if you don't on. watch the YouTube, you've got to just come and watch it to see Carl's little... Well, I mean, is how old is he? She's just gone off the headset for a minute. I think she said like eight months old. Oh, look, so handsome, and he so doesn't want to be picked up at the moment. <laughs> I'm no expert on pet wow. telepathy, but oh, I, I can cat. tell he's telling you, like and subscribe, review the review the episode, five stars. Like, yeah, definitely. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, that was adorable. Right, I guess we will... Oh, Carl's come back. So, I guess we'll, with that... Wrap it up and we'll see you all very soon. So goodbye. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs>